today on CityCast Chicago. This is Mayor Brandon Johnson's 100th day in office. Lead producer Simone Alise is here with me to talk about how the new mayor has done in the last 100 days. And we're breaking down the best places in Chicago to have yourself a good cry. It's Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Morning, Simone. Good to see you again. Hey, good morning, Jacoby. We are having this conversation today is because we have finally reached this milestone that's sort of been hanging over us since Brandon Johnson was inaugurated on May 15th, and that was his 100th day. Uh, On the campaign trail during his inauguration, people continued to ask the mayor, what are your plans for the first three months in office? And the mayor didn't shy away from this. He told us time and time again that during his first 100 days, he had some big plans for his agenda, including doubling youth employment, getting the ordinance treatment, not trauma, a plan to send a non-police response to certain mental health crises, and passing Bring Chicago Home, uh, an effort to fund homelessness efforts throughout the city. He wanted to move those last two ordinances further along. Now we're here, and we have to ask, of those big plans Johnson had during his first 100 days, did he get any of them over the finish line? It's interesting because of those three things you mentioned, right, the doubling youth employment, treatment non-trauma, bring Chicago home, you know, there was only one of those things that he was very specifically like, we want to do this this year within the first 100 days. As you said, he came into office on May 15th. So like summer was like right, was like happening mm-hmm. almost like right then. And, you know, doubling youth employment was sort of the one thing that like, you know, he he really kind of made a, a very declarative statement of mm-hmm. uh, this is the benchmark, doubling youth employment, and we want to do it this summer. Um that didn't happen. Uh, according to yeah. WBEZ, uh, you know, he would have had to have employed uh, at least 20,000 um, more young people through the programs that the city uses to, to get youth into jobs. Uh, and he did increase it, though. It did go up by about 2,000 more jobs. But still, that's a really big difference between 2,000 and 20,000. Um, those other two things that you mentioned are those are legislative pieces. Those are ordinances that are going to have to be voted on by city council. And they're really complicated pieces of of legislation, right? The idea of changing our our first response system to uh, take police, more police out of the equation to to use more like mental health providers and crisis responders. Um, And then this uh, real estate transfer tax, this tax on high-end real estate sales, right? That's a funding mechanism that that is going to take a lot of debate. You know, there was movement on those things, certainly more mm-hmm. movement than we saw under Mayor Lori Lightfoot, um, particularly on Bring Chicago Home, which got a really, really big subject matter hearing. We talked about that on the show. And, you know, that certainly looks like, uh, you know, the city council is prepared to to pass that here in the next few months. Um, but it's not something that I don't think anyone really expected to be wasn't very realistic sign sealed delivered right within within 100 days and similar to treatment not trauma we've got sort of several pilots going there's a lot of discussion about adjusting those pilots uh because some of them do still include police officers in some of those responses to um you know calls of of issues uh surrounding drugs or issues surrounding mental health uh, uh mm-hmm. crises um And, you know, it's again, it's looking like there will probably be adjustments, 
But will there be a full on ordinance to really change that? I, I, you know, that seems even further down the line than the than the real estate transfer tax, um, frankly. So, you know, it's tough to sort of there are tough benchmarks based on sort of what he said he wanted to work on in his hundred days, in addition to all the other things that he has to make moves on, like dealing with this influx of migrants. Um, and everything else that is sort of facing uh, hiring the new hiring uh, his cabinet um, is a whole other uh, can of worms. Right. Who who are in those top mm-hmm. positions uh, in the city as well. Giving credit where credit is due. Right. Treatment, not trauma. More people in Chicago, I think, are talking about that, know about it than before he took office. Bring Chicago home. It's a more legitimate conversation taking place in city council right now. But the things he very much had control over, like you just said, were personnel decisions. So much of our conversation on CityCast leading in was not what ordinance he would get passed, was not if he would double youth employment. It was, well, who is he going to round out his leadership team with, right? Uh, There's a new police superintendent that's going to have to be hired in his first 100 days. Chief Larry Snelling waiting confirmation from the city council. He said on the campaign trail, his misalignment with Dr. Allison Arwoody at the Chicago Department of Public Health probably meant heads would roll. And we've seen that. And now people still have lingering questions about, well, maybe Pedro Martinez might see some time through school is starting. Getting rid of a superintendent at this point might be haphazard. People have questions about Dorval Carter over at CTA. And in his sort of first 100-day interviews, he seems really evasive of a lot of these personnel decisions. He he stood on his ground when it comes to Chief Larry Snelling, continues to sing his praises, argues that's the person to lead CPD forward, yet to be seen. But when it came to Dr. Allison Arwoody, he openly talked about firing her on the campaign trail. And when Marianne over at NBC asked what was accomplished, he said, I think it's immoral to talk about terminating someone. That does That feels like a contradiction to me. That feels like... Not even that he's simply evading the question, that he's poorly evading the question, because to try to make this a moralism to get us from talking about it feels manipulative at at worst and like short sighted at best. And and how are you feeling about the way he's handling not just the decisions, which right now I'm not surprised by them. But the way he's communicating them, why are you not standing on them, bro? And it's worth noting, too, that the other vacancies in his cabinet, so transportation, uh, uh, you know, the commissioner, Gia Biagi, she resigned. She left of her own accord. Um, similarly, uh, former uh, police chief uh, David Brown, you know, early, early on, you know, announced his resignation. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, Johnson wasn't even in office yet. Um, yeah. when, but the interim, when, Freya Waller told him, I don't want the job either. Right. Uh, so, you know, those those were decisions that those folks made also the same with the the former head of uh, the housing department as well. Um, those were resignations where the the heads of those departments, you know, they either saw the writing on the wall or, or whatever happened in those position in those situations where they said, you know, this is not the administration I'd, or the, uh, this is not the place for me, you know, whatever. In this case, you know, Arwitty was fired. You know, Johnson mm-hmm. had Johnson's administration has removed her from that position. And so I think there more than any more than in any other of these departments. And again, a lot of those a lot of those heads, uh, those hirings, mm-hmm. you know, haven't happened yet. We still don't have a new a new head of transportation. We still don't have a new head of housing. Um, you know, I think it, it just kind of sticks out in, in terms of cabinet turnover uh, for this administration. 
Yeah. Any big surprises from Johnson's first 100 days um, thus far? Anything or anything you're going to be looking forward to uh, in the the next coming months? Because I will say, you know, on the most basic of levels, his presence out in Chicago, showing up at festivals, cultural events, walking the bug, right, doing the things you expected the mayor. um, You know, I, I do think it has been. Like, really cool to see. He seems to have taken to sort of this role with a lot of enthusiasm, with with a lot of optimism in many ways. But but for me, I've just been surprised that it still feels like his ability to answer the tougher or even more, uh, you know, sort of politically charged questions. It feels like he's still struggling in a way that reminds me of the campaign trail. I don't I don't see different answers from Mayor Johnson than I saw from Mayor elect Johnson or candidate Johnson. Um and and so I'm 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 gonna see how he continues to just sort of evolve in that role. Yeah, I mean which, you know, could on the flip side speak to a consistency, right? Like which mm. is is I mean, if you if you wanted to look at it that way. I think right, what I am looking for is, you know, I was really curious to kind of know like is Johnson's first 100 days really drastically different from his predecessors? Um, and it is. It is a, in terms of executive orders, in terms of hirings, in terms of sort of big initiatives uh, that have been started or, or, or begun. Mayor Lightfoot had a lot more of those in f- her first 100 days. She made lots of hirings and really, you know, revamped the cabinet. She uh, sort of began the process for her Invest Southwest uh, uh, development initiative on the South and West sides. That happened during her first 100 days. And Rahm Emanuel similarly had a also had sort of a flurry of actions and things that he was doing during his first 100 days as well. And so compared to his predecessors, Johnson is moving a little more slowly, you know, his supporters might say more deliberately, right? That's what I was going to say, like the transition report coming out, like, you know, what was it, a a month or six weeks after inauguration? And people are like, well, Mm -hmm. people usually put this out before. Before they even are inaugurated. Period. Yeah. Um, And and his camp has consistently said this, like you said, he's trying to meet with the stakeholders. He wants to develop realistic plans. He doesn't want to just sort of create these flash in the pan programs, but you know, people like those. <laughs> people like those and they want something to hang their hat on. I, I think there is also potentially something to be said that um, maybe he is a better communicator, bridge builder than either, than again, Lightfoot or Emmanuel were before him. There have been some more conservative aldermen, for example, who have come out and said, you know, even when we have disagreed, I have really appreciated the way that Johnson mm-hmm. has listened to my concerns and, and talked about this. Um, and so... You know, again, there are sort of two ways of looking at at some of the sort of slow pacing on this. Is it, you know, the mark of sort of someone who is a political newbie who maybe, you know, is still getting their feet wet, doesn't quite know which way they should be going and is trying to balance a lot and is maybe kind of wobbling in the process? Or is it the mark of, again, somebody who is you know, working deliberately and sort of in a in a uh, in a concerned way and someone who is listening to all sides. I think the fact of the matter is, is four years isn't very long in terms of mm-hmm. trying to accomplish big things in Chicago. Like a four year term is is truly it's it's you can either do a lot and it's it's intense and it's a lot of stuff or you can accomplish not very much. And it can feel like you haven't made very much progress yeah. at all. Um, and these and it's sort of like a when we look at these first 100 days, it's sort of a microcosm of 
what we feel like that four-year term is going to be like. Is it going to feel like, oh my God, this person is really delivering on their agenda. They're really pushing things forward again, given, especially with, with how, how progressive Johnson's base is and his supporters have been. Um, or is it feel like a little more wishy-washy? Does it feel like we don't quite have our balance yet and we're not going to, we're not going to make the big changes that, that people kind of want him to make. Last week, our Hey Chicago poll of the week is we wanted to know some of the best or your favorite places to have a good cry in public in Chicago. And to my surprise, y'all delivered. I'm talking overtime. It might have been one of the most engaged uh, amount of responses we've gotten from Hey Chicago readers and CityCast listeners from the text, the voicemails, Twitter. And uh, let's start with one of those voicemails we got from Maya. Hey, CityCast, Maya coming at you again from East Side. Um, well, I got to say, nothing beats my two top places. One, most lakefront, lakefront parts, but particularly the point. Love a good cry at the point. Um, and then my next one is truly unmatched any loop train stops. When you're rushing and you miss the train, you're going to be late for a meeting or you miss the train to go throw a hair, it just absolutely crushes your soul. It, nobody no, is paying attention to you. You just cry. Everybody gets it. No questions asked. And that's it. If that voice sounds familiar to you, it's because Maya is also the person who helped us with our East Side Hegwish Neighborhood Guide. We'll drop a link for that in the show notes. Maya came out the gate swinging with what seems to have been the sort of top two seeds in this question of best places to cry. The first one, which I, no reservations here. This would have been my um, number one pick, and it's the lake. There's so much access, right? There's so many different points of entry. It's, you know, if you're on the far west side, if you're on the far southwest side, it definitely is a trek there, right? If, you, if you're up north, if you're down south, you can find your way to the lake, find a secret spot or even a public spot, get your cry out. The one I did not expect to get so many responses because when we talk about the CTA, the public transit in this city, feels like all people talk about are the complaints, the missed buses, the 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 crowded um train cars, the, you know, the the keeping your bag close type joint, but the amount of people who just gave love to CTA as a place of respite, as a as a place of 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 sort of grief and and moving through your grief because people will look at you and turn away. I didn't expect CTA to to honestly become the number one seed in this conversation. What's wild is like everyone said almost the exact had the exact same reasoning for crying on the CTA, which was people will leave you alone. Like yep. there's so much weird stuff that happens on the train, that happens on the buses, that somebody crying doesn't even rank as mm -mm. something that you need to pay attention to or need to get involved with. Or on the flip side, a lot of people also said you might get a comforting shoulder or a nice little mm -hmm. pat. You know, somebody might ask you how you're doing and be really kind about it. They might um, offer which you is, egg roll. You never know. I think the other thing that was so funny is there also seems to be a ranking among the train lines, among the bus lines of which one is better to cry on. So like a lot of people said the red line and there was sort of like, well, are you crying on the red line just because you were already crying or are you crying on the red line because it's because it's the red line. Uh, <laughs> my favorite that someone said on Twitter 
was uh, getting a single seat on the brown line. Hey, if you find yourself on the purple line, great place to cry as well. Almost no one be on that joint. And so you just find a car with you, a person smoking weed, a person playing their music at volume 45, and just and just get your crown and get get ignored. So as people were going through different parts of the train, red line, blue line, brown line, people also provo- proposed some different locations along the lake, right? Maya just talked about the point, but, you know, some people were different parts. Um, I think we got another voicemail. Hey, CityCast. This is Viral from Rogers Park. You know, I'm, I'm not someone who usually cries in public, but one of my favorite places to just to go when I'm feeling happy, when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling contemplative, uh, is the pier at uh, Toby Prince Park Beach, Beach Park uh, in Rogers Park. Um, it's a wonderful place when you can go out onto the pier. You get a beautiful view of the skyline. There's not usually many people out there. Um, after I saw Oppenheimer at the New 400 uh, on Sheridan and Pratt, um, I was so like just shell shocked by the existential dread of the nuclear age that I just went out there and I just sat there for like 20 minutes um, just thinking uh, about uh, the world that we live in. So uh, I feel like that would also be a wonderful place to really have a good cry. That got me. I feel that, G. He was like, we figured out how to blow up the planet before we figured out to turn ocean water into drinkable water at a mass scale at a cost-effective way. Humans are trash. I agree with that, G. I agree with that 100%. We're a trashy bunch. We are. Plenty of reasons to cry. The lakefront, there were so many specific lakefront spots. Um, Mm. And I think there were a couple park lagoons that were also dropped um so i think water some about water while the lake and cta dominated a ton of responses there were some other things on the list people love the library but not just like anywhere in the library but like you know again flashing back to some of the resources the chicago public library they have rooms that you can rent maybe to practice an instrument maybe a private study room but people also like to schedule their grief (laughs) Yes, reader Olivia W. I loved this suggestion. Uh, Reader Olivia W. suggested renting out a study room at your local library to to cry (laughs) and shout it out the West Town branch. Uh, which bro, that I, took me back to undergrad. Undergrad, yes, Gee, like stop yes. it. Oh my god, them last three weeks before, like. And them April finals coming up, and I haven't been in class for a month because of the speech team. I'm sitting in there teary-eyed, like, I don't know there what Heider can mean in being in time. I don't know what's happening. There were many happening. late nights, late nights in an editing bay at one of the mm-hmm. Medill buildings where I'm just... <laughs> In tears because I don't know how to use Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another another one that came up a lot with libraries uh, was Harold Washington Library in particular. So a lot of people said yes. the Winter Garden, that ninth floor. Um, yeah, people want to get up high to cry mm-hmm. is another trend I'm I'm yeah. seeing uh, here a lot. So like we got fourth floor bathroom at Nordy's, the third fourth floor at Block Thirty Seven. You know, people want to <laughs> like. Does downtown make people cry? Yeah, I it, and, and like. So my other, uh, we just want to call out a couple more just because they are just delightful. One from reader Catherine F. who said, Northwestern University Shakespeare Garden is beautiful and private. What I love about this, Catherine, I don't know if you went to Northwestern uh, or go to Northwestern, but that was definitely a prime crying spot when I was there. 100% <laughs> that was a place where 
private went. to the criers. <laughs> yeah, it was like I, I think that's kind of what it was for. I don't know if it was uh-huh. for anything else except getting your cry on during reading week. Uh, I yeah, so I love that one, Catherine. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Takes me back. Thank you. I love the people who said, I'm going to go to tourist attractions or and just cry in front of them. People yes! were like Buckingham Fountain, uh, the Bean, uh, the Picasso statue outside the data. They said, I'm going to just stand around the Museum of Science and Industry and cry. One of the top places to cry downtown around the Shedd Aquarium. There's this bend down there where you can look out on the uh, the Chicago skyline. Our City Cash Chicago logo is actually based off of that. I've had some moments of contemplation over there because you just ride your bike around and the city like opens up when you come around the aquarium. And it it's it, it I, maybe this might be one of the happier tears, but it's one of the moments in Chicago, one of the views where I go. Damn, this city is fire. I'm so glad I was born here. And that makes me a little bit emotional. We got a couple of those, too, I think. Right. We talked about like being on the CTA and it being so beautiful. Like sometimes Mm. when you're when you're up on the L and you're like seeing the city pass you by and like there's a sunset and it's just so gorgeous that you're like overcome with emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's I think that's an interesting line, too, of there's a there's an element of we want to be surrounded by pretty things Mm -hmm. (laughs) around Chicago's like prettiest attraction. We are we are feeling it right now in Chicago in in August of 2023. There is there is something happening here, and we're we, we're all we're all in our feelings a little bit. Um, we are, I, and we celebrate it. We we hey, crying is good. Do not hold back your tears. Let them out. Find productive ways to express your emotion, even if that is just a good long cry. But in a city that's constantly being gaslit and fear mongered into uh, sort of anger or sadness in this city, it seemed like nobody was referencing that. It was just purely this sort of when I'm going through it, when I'm having a tough time, Chicago offers plenty of locations to get a good cry off. And so I'm both a little worried and both understandably worried. And then on the other hand, I'm proud of the city. I'm proud that somehow this place that I always grew up thinking, and it is it very much is hard-nosed, kind of, you know, middle of the country. Chicagoans are, you know, we, we're constantly lauded for our strength, our ability to be resilient. Our big shoulders, about, you know? Right, big shoulders. The fact that the city was burned down and we rebuilt it. And, you know, thinking how many people have, have survived here, how many cultures have survived here. You would think that it, it isn't a place that supports or, or celebrates, you know, people just owning their emotions in a way that is, you know, uh, sort of beautiful and public. And I'm happy to know that it seems that the 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 culture in Chicago is that nah, it is a safe place to cry and there are plenty of opportunities for you. And so now we got to now we got to do the bracket. Right. There's too many responses to just leave this here. I feel like. Y'all need to strap me in for a multi-series NCAA tournament-style bracket. We're going to seed these options, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to run this back. We're not just going to talk about this, this open list. Now we have to make these things compete against each other. Um, uh, I, I think both of our dark horses are the same, Simone. Yes, uh, the yes. Obviously, arguably the funniest response that we got. What's that dark horse? Uh, somebody tweeted at us. In any random alley facing the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. You can't beat that. Yeah, uh, Jacoby, I agree. We're definitely going to revisit this. And I am uh, really excited to put together this little bracket and a little 
tour guide to crying spots. We got a couple things cooking here. So uh, yeah, stay on, stay on the lookout. Simone, I appreciate you making time for me as you do every single week. And I hope, if needed, you get yourself a good crying this week. Oh, thanks, Jacoby. You too. Thanks. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Chicago will be under a heat advisory all week as temperatures could feel like the city is in the hundreds. Check out today's Hey Chicago at chicago.citycast.fm for the city's cooling resources and ways to beat the heat. Most importantly, check in on the vulnerable people in your life and community, particularly older folks and those who live alone. Chicago's first ever Special Olympics competition for athletes over 45 kicks off today. Individuals will bowl, play bocce, and do archery at parks across the city. Check the link in the show notes for a full rundown of events. And some good news. Catch me Thursday at the New Jack Jeff Art Show. You can see Chicago acts like Achilles and Vicky Street and purchase local art. Come on and enjoy the vibes and celebrate Kobe Bryant Day with us. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace. I love when I do this intro for you because I'm always like, it's good to have you on the mic. Good to talk to you. We've been on the mic for like the last 30 minutes getting this thing set up, sort of yeah. setting this episode up. We're, so it's completely fake. <laughs> we had a morning meeting already. We didn't already talked about our weekend. <laughs>